0: Welcome to the Satiated Podcast, where we explore physical and emotional hunger, satiation, and healing your relationship with your food and body. I'm your host, Stephanie Mara Fox, your Somatic Nutritional Counselor. I'm thrilled to be connecting with Mia Kwan today. Mia is an anti-diet dietitian and holds a Master of Public Health and Nutritional Sciences from the University of Washington. She helps lifelong dieters break away from toxic diet culture and empowers them to build trust with their own bodies. Her signature online program called Body Respect has helped hundreds of women break the cycle of food guilt and body shame, and instead find food freedom and body appreciation. In addition to her online practice, she is a nutrition faculty at Seattle Pacific University. She is a strong anti-diet advocate and believes that all bodies regardless of weight and size deserve respectful and compassionate care. Welcome, Mia.
1: Thank you, thank you for having me. I'm so
0: glad to be talking with you today. And I
1: would love to start off today just learning more
0: about you and how did you get into this work?
1: Yeah, it's uh, um, an interesting story because had I, someone asked me 10, 20 years ago, if I saw myself doing what I do now, I would have had no idea. I probably didn't even know what a dietitian was as close as 15 years ago. So I actually had uh, a different career post-college. I had, I worked in media and communications and had a corporate career for about seven, eight years. And really up until that point, nutrition wasn't even something that ever crossed my mind, let alone anti-diet, you know, and that word probably did not exist back then anyway. Mm -hmm. But what got me into nutrition was just being in this chronic workaholic with my corporate job, neglecting my own self-care and ultimately my basic needs, right? Because now if I think about it, it's, so common sense, but it really wasn't back then for me that I needed to fuel my body regularly, that it deserved adequate rest. I could have been a lot more compassionate and caring to how I spoke to myself, all these things. And it's interesting that the gateway to taking better care of myself was thinking, oh, maybe it has something to do with what I eat. And that's when food and nutrition first crossed my mind. And Mm -hmm. I kind of had that period, I think as Everyone does because of how powerful the diet culture messages are about how we should eat, what is good versus bad. Everything is a lot of times put in such a dichotomous light in that way. And we don't think twice about it. I didn't either. And so when I really got interested in nutrition and thought it was fascinating, I thought I would become one, become a dietitian who tells everyone to eat all their kale and quinoa and stop (laughs) eating sugar. And I thought... You know, if I ever have children, they're never going to have ice cream. What a terrible thought to have. I mean, I have a lot more compassion for myself now looking back because I understand why I had those thoughts. So that was kind of my, how I got my toes dipped into nutrition and went back to school to get a degree in nutrition And it was kind of by accident that I had a training fellowship at Seattle Children's Hospital with the eating disorder teenage population in their adolescent medicine clinic. And that's Mm -hmm. where I stumbled upon the foundational ideas of anti diet that was still not a phrase that existed then. Mm -hmm. But I got my introduction into intuitive eating, why we can't tell someone's health, or their wellness status by just looking at their size or their BMI. So all these new ideas that were more grounded in actual health and care and not just on a number or calories or weight. And so that was such a very eye-opening experience for me. And I was fortunate that I got introduced to those ideas early on. And I knew from that time on that I wanted to work with the population, especially women. I think I started to feel that then because, yes, this is something that impacts all people, all gender across the spectrum, all age groups, However, those of us who identify as women, there's another layer of what is uh, expected of what Mm -hmm. a good body is, how we should eat all those things. And so that's when I started to have this kind of conviction of, I really want to help women uh, heal their relationship with food and their bodies to stop dieting, to maybe recover from a longstanding eating disorder. So that's the work I've been doing for almost a decade now, and I just Was so surprised, you know. The more I did this work, that first I thought it was just teenagers. Then I when when I worked in the college population, oh, I thought, oh, college students are impacted by this too. But then when I started my private practice, I had clients in their thirties, forties, fifties, sixties, and really started to realize, wow, this is just never ends. And the time that is lost during all these years of being trapped in the diet cycle is just excruciating. And so that's my kind of long-winded answer to how I got into this work and where I am now.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. You know, I really hear you ebbing and flowing with first this insight of, oh, wow, you know, what I eat affects me. And. I have found that that was a very similar journey that I took as well when I was trying to heal my gut, that I got really fascinated with nutrition and what I was putting in my body. And then there's this whole nother layer that eventually opens up of it's like, ah, oh, but it's, it's not just about the food. And actually if we're focusing too much on that, there's other pieces of our healing that aren't being attended to. Mm. So I would love for you to dive in more to why don't diets work? You know, I think that uh, I was definitely trapped in the diet cycle for years of my life and thankfully got out of it. And I know that many of our listeners are maybe at the beginning, in the middle, knowing that they're trying to get out of it and taking those steps. So let's just start with this groundwork of like, why don't they work?
1: Yeah. The first thing I talk about when I get into this topic is about the idea of your set point weight and you may or may not be familiar Um, listeners with this concept, a lot of my clients who first come seek help to me are not very familiar with it. And because all their lives, they thought it was all on them to control their weight to be at their quote unquote, ideal weight, diet culture tells us that if you cut out calories, you exercise more, your body is going to lose weight at this rate, and eventually be this size, it's almost it's all put on the individual, when in reality, we don't have have as much control over our weight as diet culture makes it out to be. Mm-hmm. There is so much data to show that most weight loss attempts, more than 80% of them return within the first year that the initial weight that is lost returns within uh, a year. If we look at five years out, that number becomes 95%. It's because largely because of a set point weight range, which means that every body is very unique and it in that it has a pretty narrow range where it's going to be the most ideal for that person, and when we first hear this, you might think of the BMI or how your, you know, quote unquote, ideal weight is calculated according to formula. When in reality, everyone's ideal set point weight range is completely unique to you. A lot of it is determined by genetics, about how your growth tracted when you were growing up, and this is the point where you feel the most. Energize, you you have enough energy throughout the day. You're not thinking about food a lot because you're fueling your body enough. You're not restricting in what you're eating because you are able to listen to your body and give it what it wants and then move on and not think about it all day. And this is also where your body is going to be the most functional in terms of running its organs and having all the fuel. And so it's, it's hard. It, the question I get a lot is, well, how do I know I'm at my set point? weight. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot we can go into there, but the, one of the most telling signs is that it doesn't take a whole lot of control to stay there. And Mm -hmm. so someone came to me and said, Oh, I've been at this weight for 10, 20 years, but then tells me, but I have to watch every ounce of food that I eat. And I have to be really diligent about going to the gym this many times a day and never miss a workout. And then that will make me think, Hmm, that you may not be at your set point weight, Mm -hmm. right? You're still really controlling and suppressing and spending a lot of time and energy, physical time and energy to try to still suppress your body as opposed to someone who might say, you know, I I've been in this pretty similar range without even trying to be. And at this point, we're really even not thinking about our weight or thinking about food or weight at all. And we're just able to kind of spend our time and energy elsewhere and food and body is not something on our mind so much, but you feel that, okay, like how my clothes fit and the time and energy I'm thinking about food is not such a big proportion of my total energy. And that would be a really good sign that you are at your set point weight range. And so this is, you know, there's a lot of physiological science that we can get, you know, deeper into, and that helps to really kind of wrap our head around this, this idea, but it's really important to understand this because so many times I have so many people who have blamed themselves for so long. And this really helps to lift that shame. The blame was me. I was doing something wrong because it really wasn't you.
0: Yeah. I love that you're bringing in this compassionate. Stands that, yeah, our body likes to be at a certain place. That's where it feels comfortable. That's where it feels safe. And that actually, when we try to manipulate and control it, it to something else, That actually is causing the body a lot of tension where I love that you even point out something that you might even be able to notice that you are not in your set point is if you are constantly thinking about food or constantly thinking, oh, if I miss this workout today, something drastic is going to change with my body. That it's those little clues that actually the worries that are coming up for you are letting you know that your body may not be where it feels comfortable in being.
1: Absolutely. That is so, so true.
0: So as someone starts to realize, okay, I've been on and off diets forever. It's not working anymore. I don't feel vibrant. I don't feel connected. I don't feel the way I thought dieting would make me feel. What do you find are the first steps that someone could start to take to start ditching the diet and creating a different new relationship with their food and
1: body? Mm Hmm. That's such a good question. And I think there are several things that someone can do there. And just to point out that that is also such a pivotal, huge step just to think to yourself that acknowledging that diets don't work, because I think that's often a really important point to kind of reflect on is A lot of times with diets, because there might've been that short term where you were kind of on a high feeling that initial weight loss or, Oh, this is working. But to really, when we really start to reflect on it, we start to realize that was very short lived. It wasn't sustainable. And what came after that was really an excruciating cycle that did not make me any healthier and happier. And so to acknowledge those things are really hard to do. And so if you're there, I first want to say really big step, you know, all, that's such a brave step too, because it's mm-hmm. seemingly kind of going against what this powerful force of the majority of the diet culture is telling us that that is good for you because the diet culture almost equates kind of, um, these control measures as if it's a healthy thing that you're doing it for health. And that's a whole other area that we could, we could go into, but once you start to realize, Hey, this is really not serving me. And you know, it's not serving you when it's just taking up so much time and space, you're tired all the time. You don't have energy to do anything else. It's impacting your relationships. And So to really start to reflect on here are all the reasons why I, why diets are not working and why I want to ditch dieting. I think that's a big and really important, um, starting point. And so once you make that kind of declaration, even if there are times after that, that you feel, Ooh, but maybe this new diet, Ooh, my friend started this one. Maybe I should do that. And you can kind of refer back to that list and say, remember all these reasons why I decided to ditch dieting, remember how diets really made me feel in the long term, and it's going to help you kind of stay grounded. So I think that's a good starting point. And then the next thing would be to really set yourself up your environment so that you are no longer kind of blindly taking in all the diet culture messages without any Filter. And so it's starting to create a filter around you. And that could be in your physical environment. It could be also in your thoughts. And so, with the physical environments, uh, th- I talk often about how, you know, this is the one type of detox that I do support, which is like a diet <laughs> culture detox, right? Let's, mm-hmm. let's, you know, purge everything in our life that doesn't support this new path of trying to really make peace with food and my body. And so that could be starting with, you know, what kind of social media accounts am I following anything that is still talking about diets, you know, all the before, after pictures, talking about controlling food. Those are all the accounts that, can be triggers. So removing those, you know, unfollowing those triggering accounts, getting rid of the old diet cookbooks in the house or the magazines going through your closet and getting rid of the clothes that no longer fit you, you know, the jeans that are, you're still holding on to, even though they haven't fit for years and you used to wear them in high school or something. Right. And so that is often a really a helpful thing. If you have you know, a closet full of clothes that you actually enjoy to wear and make you feel comfortable. And I understand sometimes it's hard because there are a lot of like sentimental values attached to it. And so if that's the case, I tell clients that you can, you know, set them aside. You don't have to get rid of them entirely to begin with, maybe just create a separate pile that you're not seeing directly in your closet. So little things like that can be a really great way to kind of set yourself up to start to separate yourself from diet culture as you move towards more into this place of, instead of trying to fight your body, trying to make peace with your body, trying to work with your body and eliminating the deity triggers as much as possible can be a really helpful step in starting to do that.
0: I love these pieces that you're sharing right now. First, the piece of writing your bigger why, oh my gosh, that's so important. Because then it's something that you can return to again and again, every time diet culture messages start to peak, especially around certain times of year, which often can be around, you know, sometimes this time of year, or the new year, or, you know, right when we're getting into the summer, we'll start seeing more messages going back to that letter and being like, why is this so important again to me? Love that. Mm-hmm. And I love that you're also bringing in checking out your environment, and being like, okay, are, the, are there clothes that I'm hanging on to that aren't serving me anymore? Are there people that I'm following that aren't serving me anymore? I would even go as far as getting the people around you on board of like having conversations with your friends and your family and letting them know, Hey, I'm trying to remove myself from this way of thinking about my body. And so I would really love your support with let's not talk about dieting. Like let's actually try and talk more about celebrating our bodies. So you even get to bring the people around you on board in this new adventure as well.
1: Yeah. Having that supportive community is such a, a pivotal piece in this process, because again, like it can seem like you're going against the grain. And if you have people in your life, someone close who can get on board, that's great. And that's going to really help you out to not feel like you're quote unquote, the crazy one. But unfortunately I have, you know, a lot of my clients do feel like they're this you know, odd one out when a lot of their close people, maybe close friends, maybe their spouses or their parents are still deep in diet culture. And so I just want to kind of acknowledge that too, that if you have a great support system, that is awesome. If you don't, you know, you're not alone. And that's (laughs) why kind of even seeking these communities and support systems on social media, that's a great way to use social media to follow people who do promote anti diet who or uh, Facebook communities where people are trying to do this or joining support groups. That's why I started to have group programs because a lot of times clients were talking about, I am so on board with this now because I know diets don't serve me. But as soon as you know, I stopped talking to you like outside of sessions or something that I feel like I'm all alone. It's me against the world all over again. And how this journey just feels so isolating because it's still not what the majority of people identify with. And so I just want to, you know, acknowledge that and normalize like what you're feeling, if if that's you. Um, And that there are other ways to seek community and support, even if you don't have anyone in your, in your life right now.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for normalizing that. I think it's really important that I know, especially a lot of the individuals who come working with me as well, feel like there's nobody in their life that they can actually talk to about this new journey that they're trying to embark on. And so even if it's you going on Facebook or Instagram, you know, even I'm pretty sure I found you through a hashtag. <laughs> you know, if you look up things like hashtag anti-diet, hashtag health at every size, you know, hashtag weight stigma, you will st- start finding your community and people who are trying to go on a similar path that you are. I love that you're bringing that in. And so you've mentioned anti-diet a few times, and Mm. I know that there's kind of this, when people hear that, there's this a little bit of stigma around it of, oh, it means that you're just like not trying to take care of yourself anymore. So I'm wondering if we could redefine that here of what being an anti-dieter actually means.
1: Yeah. That's so, so important, right? I think there's so many misconceptions around it because it can sound like, because again, diet culture likes to put things in this very black and white light. Mm -hmm. And so people think it's easy to think that stop dieting means I am letting go of health. I am giving up on myself. I don't care about myself anymore. So I'm just going to do whatever with food, with body, right. That I'm just going to, You know, gonna toss myself out and not care about myself. And that is absolutely not true. I think one of the big things that we have to acknowledge, here's another reason why diets don't work, is because regardless of what diet you are on, whether it be whole 30, Weight Watchers, even Noom, you know, all these diets, no matter what diet you're on, it's the same thing in terms of they are giving you a set of rules to follow. Mm -hmm. They are external rules that tell you what to do, what not to do, what to eat, what not to eat, how much to eat. And no wonder this doesn't work when you're such a dynamic human being who has a lot of different needs that change all the time, that you have a lot of, you know, your life is dynamic and the things that happen in your life and work and family life is going to change and then your needs are going to change. And so how does it make sense that you're going to, these external set of rules are going to meet all your needs at any point in your life for the rest of your life? That doesn't make any sense at all. And so That's why diets don't work. So anti-diet doesn't mean that we're suddenly throwing ourselves out and not caring about it. It means that I am no longer following these external set of rules that someone else and some other diet is enforcing on me. I'm taking my power back from diet culture. I am working on listening to my own body. I am working on hearing what my body has to say of what it needs at different points in time. And that's what anti means. And so in a way it's actually a better self-care framework that is more tailored to the unique you. And so this is a process where through getting to learn your body cues again, and this can definitely be a process that takes time, patience, yeah. because yeah. a lot of times when you have come from this, you know, years of listening to rules and following rules, a lot of my clients are like, I don't even know where to start. Like, how do I, so I'm suddenly going to get some divine, you know, sign that tells me this is how much you should eat. Like, I have no clue how to listen to my hunger cues. And so it can be a good, you know, starting point to start building a regular eating pattern to really start to pay attention to your body cues, even if it may feel like there isn't any, you know, pattern there just yet, it's going to take some time, but you will start to, you know, hear the signals and, get to learn, you know, what you crave at different moments, how you're impacted by stress or your emotions, how you're impacted when you're not getting enough sleep and how that maybe makes you turn to food more. So we are all unique in, in, in these things. And so it's a process of really starting to learn your own body's wisdom and to respond to your body's needs of what it tells you in the moment. And so that's another big thing is that it, it it is being present to each moment instead of saying, okay, I ate this now. So that means later I'm going to eat this much. Like that's what diets also do. It's like, how are you supposed to know how much food you need tomorrow or later today when your body's needs change? And so the idea of anti-diet is really just putting back things on your body's needs now. And so it's a practice of starting to listen to your body now and not let any diet dictate that.
0: Yeah. You know, some of the pieces that you're even starting to talk about are the concepts of like intuitive eating Mm -hmm. and that it is confusing at first. Like let's normalize that, that if you have been following a diet that is giving you rules and regulations for years that, yeah, at first you're not going to know, or even maybe hear messages from your body. And that might mean sometimes you overeat sometimes you end up under eating, sometimes you get that sweet spot. And it's kind of starting to discover in with a lot of experimentation. And so I'm wondering, as you start to teach those you work with around intuitive eating concepts, what's even like baby steps that you often
1: offer there? Because it can be really
0: confusing at first.
1: Mm-hmm. It can absolutely be confusing. And I think, yes, we can't stress enough the importance of just normalizing that. And I think something that has helped a lot of my clients is unlike diets that begin easy and then it becomes more and more impossible as time continues on to stick to it. Intuitive eating is the opposite, where in the, in the beginning it feels so overwhelming and confusing. Yet with more time, with more practice, with more attunement to your own body, I promise that it will get easier and it will because you are going to get so much more in touch and attuned to what your body actually needs. And so one of the most important things with starting with intuitive eating is First, to build that regular eating pattern, I think especially if someone has been chronically undereating or their eating has been really chaotic, that it's been all over the place, or they're used to kind of pushing, delaying, you know, eating, and for as much as possible, and then maybe end up binging later at night. All these things are happening because your body is not getting the adequate amount of fuel that it needs. And frankly, it's even hard to distinguish, you know, am I eating because I'm hungry? Am I eating because? I'm stressed? Am I eating because you know, I'm deprived. These are, you can't answer these questions unless first the body is getting enough fuel, right? Like it can feel like you're maybe stress eating, but maybe you are just hungry. And so we have to kind of start there. So I always ask clients to kind of do this brainstorming activity of how many times a day am I eating? How many meals, how many snacks, how many hours in between am I going without eating food? And how do I feel during those times that I'm not eating? Because sometimes a lot of times we're not paying, attention to how the body feels. And so by starting with some structure, and this is also another misconception about, you know, listening to your body and intuitive eating is that, Oh, that means you can't plan. You can't meal prep. You can't, you know, like just a free for all. right? And you only eat, you know, when your body gives you that signal. No, because we know that your body needs a good significant amount of fuel every day regardless of what you do or don't do. And yes, as time goes on, it's going to be easier to be more flexible and attuned to the changes of the body's needs, but right now, it's overwhelming to think about all of that right now. So let's just start with making, you know, a regular eating pattern to set you set yourself up so that as your body starts to give you different signals, you are able to pay more attention to it. And so that's a good starting point is to just normalize eating frequently throughout the day. If you are, you know, only having one meal later in the day, and that's a large meal, then a good place to start a baby step to add Do that could be just trying to have one more meal before that, instead of suddenly saying, okay, I'm going to start eating three meals and two, three snacks a day. Like that's hard to do if you've (laughs) never done that before. And so, Mm -hmm. um, don't try to do it all at once, but try to build up that regular eating pattern. And that can look different on everybody. And so that in itself can be a kind of an experiment. I love kind of framing things as an experiment because then you just get to see, let me just see, let me just stay curious how this works out for me. Let me see what about this works for me? And what about it? I might want to continue to change. And that way we're not saying this has to work, or we're not turning it into yet another rule because that's, we we can have the tendency to do that when we're coming from listening to the diet rules. Oh, I'm
0: resonating so deeply with everything that you just said. I often find that creating that structure is a really smooth way to start moving away from diet culture or dieting that it's, oh, it's giving you some sense of, oh, I have something to move to that still feels like it's holding this sense of safety of structure and routine of, okay, I'm going to eat consistently. And it gets to be more of a guideline instead of a rule. And that some days you might need more snacks, some days you might need less so that you get this, okay, I have this Guideline of I need to eat about every few, you know, four to five hours throughout the day, keep my blood sugar level stable. And from there, then you get to discover all the things that you just listed. Why am I eating right now? Because as your body gets this sense of safety of, oh, I'm going to get consistent nourishment, then you get to go to the deeper layer of, okay, am I eating because I'm stressed? Am I eating because I'm actually hungry? And I love that you brought in paying attention also to how you feel in between your meals. That if you ate a meal that you thought was enough, but for the next two to three hours, all you're thinking about is food, that's actually your body communicating with you. And what diet culture wants to make you believe is you did something wrong. And, oh, you just need to squash this voice or not listen to this hunger. And actually we get to start to pay attention to it. Oh, there's a reason I'm thinking about food. Maybe I didn't eat enough. And that might even mean, oh, I can eat again. That's where the intuitive Absolutely. eating piece comes in. Of I can eat again if my body's telling me it really needs it.
1: Mm-hmm. That is so true. And I love that you pointed out that you're building safety first. That's it, right? You are letting your body, you, you are assuring your body that no, we're not restricting anymore. No, I'm going to give you consistent feel again and again. So you don't have to worry about getting as much eating as much as possible. When you have the chance, you don't have to worry about not getting what you really want to eat. We're going to have permission to do that. So you are building that safety and only then can we go into the deeper layers that you talked about. I love that. And just, it helps us be more flexible. That guideline piece also really resonates with me. And that's also a great way that we are moving away from diet culture is to frame things as the guideline. It's not something rigid. It's something I can experiment with. It's something that that I'm practicing flexibility, because that's another kind of an expectation that becomes a barrier to listening to our body is when we think, you know, I have to get the perfect amount of perfect level of fullness every time I eat, or I have to eat, start eating at the moment where I'm kind of perfectly hungry, right? Like we try to find this place of where I'm not starving, but I'm also Mm -hmm. still adequately hungry. You might feel like, oh, I failed intuitive eating. If I don't, you know, if I do get to a point where I'm ravenously hungry, no, there There is no failing at intuitive eating. And that's the beauty of this is that you're building this practice and flexibility. This is not like a diet. Well, it says, you know, it's a success and fail. It's all on you. This is a process of building a different kind of relationship with your body, practicing how to take care of yourself to the best you can, but you don't have to be perfect because we are already innately worthy and perfect enough, not, you know, depending on how well we do this. And so that's another good reminder to have while, um, being on this journey and doing This practice is that it's all about that attunement and flexibility, not about rigidity and control. Because when we start to think about it in that way, you know, and when that does come up and you feel like, oh, I'm kind of falling back into this trap of wanting to be rigid with intuitive eating, be compassionate toward yourself because it makes sense why your mind tends to go there because of all the things that we've learned from diet culture. It's not your fault. And it's important to have this compassionate mindset while we are practicing these things.
0: Oh my gosh. I just, my heart feels so open. Just hearing everything that you just said, just this journey is, it needs to be grounded in compassion and empathy and self-kindness because there is a lot that you will discover about yourself with all these experimentations. Like you said, framing it as everything is as an experimentation and that then you just get to learn more and more about yourself through relating with your food and your body. And so I would love for listeners to know how they can keep in touch with you. And, you know, what are the kinds of things that if they're interested in your body respect program, you know, I'd love to hear more about that. If anybody is interested in learning more about that as well.
1: Yeah. So the best, the platform that I'm most active in is Instagram. My handle is foodbody.peace. Uh, I post regularly and share a lot of tips and motivation, hopefully in your food and body peace journey. So especially if you're looking for that sense of community and reminders of why you want to move away from diet culture, that's a lot of what I talk about and my signature program body respect, as we mentioned is a group program. So I offer this framework in both group coach and in one-on-one coaching, because I understand like that sometimes we just need more of that personalized support so that I also offer to a number of limited spots of clients. But in my group program, this is a lot of magic happens here. And I know that one of the biggest kind of struggles in this process that I hear over and over again, is again, that guilt, the isolation piece, and also the guilt and shame, these really difficult emotions that come up in this process. And I know 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 that group work can feel scary, but I also share to a lot of clients how the the remedy to guilt and shame is actually compassion and connection. And there's nothing like a safe group community environment to help you feel connected and compassionate. And so it's a small group coaching program for um, only four to six women at a time. So it's a pretty intimate group. It's a 16 week process where we have a lot of group sessions. There's also a lot of online content learning and unlearning happening. So it's, The best way I can describe it, it's a hybrid between group coaching, individualized um, group therapy, individualized coaching, and an online course. So it's like the best of all worlds. And this is where really um, I love supporting you in this environment. And I have um, new groups forming roughly every two months. And so if you are interested in, you can find out more about it on my website at foodbodypeace.com.
0: Amazing. Your work is so needed in the world. And just thank you for doing what you do and bringing all of your wisdom here today and all the little baby steps that you even brought forth today. I really appreciate just your time today and sharing everything you did.
1: Thank you, Stephanie. It was great to chat with you.
0: Yeah. And for everybody listening, I will provide all of these resources in the show notes. And if you have any questions, you can email either of us anytime. And I hope you all have a beautiful rest of your day. Bye.